All right, all right, all right. You're listening to the We're Talking Football podcast. I'm Weston. With me, as always, my right-hand man, Lou. Yeah, it's going to be one of those, ain't it, Lou? I'm a bitter, bitter man tonight. I I get it, man. Listen, we're here to recap Super Wild Card Weekend uh, with, obviously, a heavy focus on on your Chargers and, and my 49ers. And then from there, we can look forward to... You know, this weekend's final eight, if you will, in the divisional round of the playoffs uh, on paper seem like a, a lot of stellar matchups that, I, that I'm excited for. Good news is it's condensed into two days instead of three days and no days with three games. Manageable schedule to be able to watch with a little bit of efficiency um, and get some time uh, away from the fam or with the fam or however you watch your, your football. Uh, but it'll be a little bit more. On my, on, on, on my phone usually because my daughter is watching uh you know her shows on uh you know the big screen tv so dude you gotta take ownership like i have this down to a science with landon when he if i want to watch something on tv and he's like daddy i want first of all we're still watching santa movies we're still watching the santa claus um with tim allen and he's like, I want to watch the Santa movie. That's what he calls it. And then he wants to watch the Home Alones, and he calls them the funny guys. I want to watch the funny guys because when they're getting all fucked up, he finds it hilarious. <laughs> so I have to put those movies on and fast forward to basically the 25 minutes of the movie where both of these guys are getting destroyed <laughs> going through the fun house. But when I know what's up, I got the Verizon app on my phone so I can load it and go to that and hand them the phone so I can watch what I want on TV. Right. And then if I need my phones, I want to scroll Twitter or do whatever. Then I just inverse pop that on the TV. <laughs> like you got you to play the flip game, dude. Yeah. You got, you got a good system over there, man. I mean, it's my system. I wouldn't say it's good. Poor fucking kid gets probably way too much screen time. Um, all right. Let's jump in. We're going to make our promise or our attempt of commitment to the listeners this evening is to not have a two-hour show. We're going to try to condense some of this information. Hour Um, 50, hour 45 max. Yeah, max. 46 (laughs) is our – an hour 46 is our average. Um, Real quick, Lou, let's remind (laughs) our listeners that tonight's episode is brought to you by Primetime Sports Talk, your top source for all major sports content, including DFS, fantasy advice, and great betting tips. Be sure to head to primetimesportstalk.com to check out their in, in-depth analysis, exclusive content, fascinating interviews, and explore the rest of their amazing podcast family. Again, primetimesportstalk.com, your go-to for sports content. Lou, I'm going to tease a hot topic, but I don't want to talk about it because we'll okay. come back to it. Okay. But we may or may not. I'm going to air on probably not. Might have solved Tom Brady's last football game. We'll leave it at that because we can come back and, and talk about that game in some capacity if you want. I hope uh, not because obviously the rumors are that there is some interest of him going to the Raiders. And if that's the fact, you know, when players go to the Raiders, that's where they go to die. It's true. Wouldn't mind true. Uh, a Tom Brady, you know, a decrepit uh, Tom Brady out there in Las Vegas. Yeah, I and probably bring Gronk back with them. But a story for another day. I don't think we'll get any light on that anytime soon. Uh, he'll, he'll drag it out like he always does. Yep. Um, you know, it's nice to be, I guess, the GOAT where you can drag those things out. So tonight we're going to focus on on two areas. We're going to talk a little bit about the Super Wild Card Weekend, specifically our teams and performances, maybe a future look um, around both teams. And then let's just get right into the divisional round and talk about the four matchups that we have. We'll give a few minutes on each matchup, 
pros, cons, pick our winners, and we're out of here. We're smooth sailing for the for the evening, and we'll get this up, lock and loaded. So, Lou, I'm gonna I'm gonna start with you. Obviously, Chargers, Jaguars. Um, listeners know know the outcome. That being said, like, I guess my I, I'll. I'll, I'll lob something you, over to you. You don't have to. You can you can go right at me, man. Listen. No, I don't want to go at you because, like, I I I have nothing but empathy for you right now because I know. First, I'm gonna actually applaud you. That's my applause right now because if the roles were reversed, we wouldn't be recording tonight because I still would not have gotten out of bed. I'm just telling you. Listen, like, I'll tell you right now. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you right now. I dish. I can take it too. So, um. I, I am I'm a big boy. I will be able to take any medicine, you know, you're about to give me right now. I, I, no medicine. No medicine. I think I just want to – I want you to describe for us the roller coaster of emotions that you went through because this was definitively, like it has been for most of the season for this team, a tale of two halves. And one half looked drastically different than the other half so like from start to finish like what was the the emotional wave like for you yeah so um i made the error of go of being dragged out on saturday night to a bar with a couple of buddies um did not want to leave the house but uh you know they they guilted me into going out with them so that was my first you know uh, mistake right there so <clears throat> watching the game seeing how quick the charges came out uh you know to an early lead and me still my, my initial thought process is listen, you know, I'm skeptical, you know, there's a term chargering for a reason. It exists for a reason. This is not just happen overnight for those who do follow the franchise. Um, this is only the second worst loss uh, probably I've ever endured as a, you know, a, as a chargers fan. The first one would be the Marlon McCree interception of Tom Brady and then he goes to return it and fumbles it and gives it back to the Patriots. And then they uh, score a touchdown and the rest is history. They, you know, they advance. So <clears throat> that was the first time, but this was definitely the second time. This was like the second worst from a fan standpoint, um, watching of a game like this, this game fucking broke me. And even the first half, uh, knowing the history of this franchise, whether it's the Marlon McCree interception, whether it's the fourth and twenty-seven uh, play with the the Baltimore Ravens, and they gave they gave up that uh, you know that that uh, catch to um, you know Ray Rice, whether it's the Nate Cading uh, missing like three or four field goals against the Jets, it's always in the back of your mind when you watch a game as a Chargers fan. You're never happy or content, no matter how big. A lead is, and as I was expressing my cautious, my cautiousness, two buddies were making fun of me, like this, you're ridiculous and what have you. And then all of a sudden, you know, <clears throat> you see third and one, they do a jet sweep to a practice squad player, fumbles it, they recover it, but I'm like, right there, I'm like, this is it. I identify, I'm like, this is it. Holy shit, this is the moment they're going to start messing up, and just. It just wasn't a feel a feeling of inevitable. Like it's just like there's nothing you can do to stop it. It's like watching a tsunami come at you, and realize I have there's no power whatsoever. And you started seeing things. Uh, <clears throat> they only had four wide receivers, and one wide receiver got hurt. 
DeAndre Carter. So I'm like, all right, so how are they going to continue moving the ball, you know, through the air against the Jaguars if they really only have two wide receivers and a practice squad player now, right? So I was I was confused by that. Then you had their starting left tackle, Jamari Salyer, get hurt. I'm like, okay, that's going to be an issue too. Like you just see the – it's like the cracks in the foundation. It's like when a pebble hits – your your windshield and it, and it starts spidering. You just start seeing the signs, and <clears throat> it was more of a despair. It's more of hopelessness, um, because I'm like I've been down this road before. I've seen this before, and here we go. And not down my mind, I thought that you know this that the Jaguars we're not going to win this game. It's just the game flow. You just, you just tell in the second half. So um, long story short, hopelessness, you know, I think that was just more of like, you know, wait and see to, you know, let's see. And it just turned to hopelessness. So safe to say you've never felt comfortable in that game. I was enjoying it, but I'm like this game, even at 27, I'm like, this game is not over. And then even, some of the things I was saying, like, oh, you missed Herbert missed the throw to Keenan Allen uh, for a touchdown. I'm like, ah, that's, you know, you really would like, you know, seven there instead of three. So, but I'm like, hey, at least they didn't turn the ball over there. They put up points. So it's just, there was always, the, you know, that, that thought that was creeping in the back of my mind as the game was going on. It was starting to creep to the front. All right. So validation, I have it up on my phone. I'm sure you can't read it or see it. Just so, so you know Lou is not just throwing smoke at you about his emotions. At halftime, I text him, Lou, you should hit the bar for every game. You can't be mad about that first half. Lombardi couldn't hurt you in the half. And you said, game far from over. Sal, you're banged up. Carter out. How are they going to move the ball? I did say that. Don't forget, I, I was a little intoxicated. Like a but little, that was at little, halftime, dude. That was at yeah. halftime. 27-7 score at half. That, that, yeah, that was like still – yeah. So, that you know, that was me just being real with you. I'm like, I don't really – I'm confused, like, how they're going to do this. Like, how are they going to continue this path? Um, especially when they have, you know, the running game present. That was That was – that, that was a big issue. I, I think they had like, you know, less than 10 yards rushing in the second half. You're up by 20 points. You can't run the ball. I mean, you can't, what do we say all the time, Weston, when it comes to, uh, you know, game, you know, you know, playoff football? That stupid old cliche. And it, it's a cliche and it, it works. Yeah. Defense and the rushing attack. Travels. Those are the things that travels well. They could not, they could not chew up time. They could not. Uh, keep the defense off the field. It's just, it's just disheartening. And then you're literally making Herbert throw so many times, and you, ha- and you had to. It yeah. wasn't, it wasn't like, hey, were they being overly? Cons- they were getting nothing on the ground. So nothing. you can't just keep on running into a brick wall expecting something to change. So I kudos to them realizing, okay, we're gonna have to try to do other things like screens and what have you to, sh- you know, that are kind of like um, long handoffs, but. It just never materialized, man. I mean, you, you can't do that. It's you're trotting two wide receivers out there for a whole half yeah. of a game. Like, how how are you really expecting them to, to you know, to, to uh, really, you know, not get like locked down because they can never come off the field? I, I mean, dude, I, we talked about it going into the playoffs that I said that the run game for the Chargers is the Achilles' heel. 
You know, you need to you need to be able to have that threat. And like you said, you're up 20 points. How do you kill 10, 11 minutes of total time of possession in a, in a half of football? It's by being able to run the football, right? And you can't. And then when you start throwing incompletions or receiver goes out of bounds in the second half and you're starting to stop the clock, like it just it just adds possessions to the team that's trailing. What's most surprising for me coming out of this game, though, is like, defensively the first half could not have gone well the first 27 minutes or so of the first half could not literally have gone any better for the chargers four i've I keep on <laughs> four interceptions and a fumble recovery yeah Asante i mean samuel had three picks and a fumble recovery in the first half is that do the, i have that correct yeah the back end was playing phenomenal brand Staley did some good job of uh you know doing combination coverages making it look like man, but it was really cover two on one side. So, like, that was all sound and everything. Um, but, like like I said, I feel like, and I know, what, you know, the, what Peyton Manning said, or you know, on the, um, the telecast, people don't make second-half adjustments. I, 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 I think he said that, in, you know, tongue-in-cheek right there. Yeah. But I definitely feel like Peterson was making some second-half adjustments that made some second-half adjustments that – caught the Chargers sleeping. But my issue is this, twofold. First, the Mike the Mike Williams news was was catastrophic. Um you they really could have used someone especially in the red zone because I feel like some of the plays they ran Mike Williams can add up and you know score that score some touchdowns there, especially with that throw where Herbert missed Keenan Allen, right? That's a Williams touchdown all day, right? Cuz mm-hmm. he's bigger, right? So he needed someone, another bailout, another option, because Joshua Palmer is not that guy. I know everyone's trying to make him that guy. He's not no, he's that guy. He's a good player. but Yeah, like... he's, a, he's a wide receiver three at best. Yeah. All right? You know, can fill in every now and then, but he's so inconsistent. So <clears throat> so that was catastrophic uh, with the Mike Williams injury. And I also was talking to some other people. This is hard because – Going into halftime, what's your mentality? What's your psyche as a player? If you're if you're a Los Angeles Charger, you're automatic. You're you're happy. You're a, you know you're ecstatic, right? You're like this is this game is over. And you can't tell me. Obviously, I don't know anything, but their thought process was like, "Hey, the Jaguars are just going to roll over and die." Yeah. Here's the thing: it's playoff football. There is no tomorrow, so maybe. If, if it was the doldrums of like, you know, weeks, you know, 11, 12, 13, yeah. yeah you pack Jag- it up and live to play another day. No exactly. Doubt. But they just automatically expected the Jaguars to roll over and die. And uh, th- guess what? Spoiler alert, they did it. Well, so. I, I think that's like, we talk about it all the time, like the hot team, you know, the team that you don't expect to win tends to win. Like this, this whole concept of like, having nothing to lose is a very dangerous proposition in playoff sports in general, right? Like arguably like Jags squeaked in, right? Squeaked in like beat Tennessee last week, like in a, in a close performance with Tennessee (laughs) playing with Joshua Dobbs as their starting quarterback, right? Like different. I think what, what's, I'm uh, it, it, this is like half statement, half question because I, I want your perspective on this. So I do know that the, the Chargers had a chance to rectify all of this, right? They missed a field goal, a gimme from in 
NFL terms from Dicker, right? Like field goal missed. That field goal puts this game in my. Had like not, he had like a ninety-five percent like hitting. I know. Like a... <laughs> but but dude, that game. I don't. I don't want to say it puts it away, but makes it increases the probability tremendously that you win the game just due to like lack of possessions. Cause that wasn't like early in the second half, right? Like that was late in the half. Yeah. Um, But I think think they were up still 16 going into the fourth. I'm not mistaken. I don't know. Like I said, I had a couple of tequila and sodas and a couple of gin and tonics and other things that like clouded, like as, as this was happening on, I'm like, all right, feed them up, feed me up here. Yeah. Load them up here. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna need a taller glass, please. <laughs> like no ice, please. No ice. Yeah. I'm actually gonna jump in and see what it was. So Jacksonville scored eleven and one by so you were up ten to start the fourth. Okay, up ten. All right. You're up ten. Um, I, think, do they, I feel like they might have just scored then yeah, in, in that I can third, do uh, scoring summary third quarter. Yeah, yeah more they score with forty four seconds left. Exactly. Quarter, so, yeah. Exactly. So yeah, I think that was Maurice Jones Drew. Yeah, so they would have been up 16 because they went for two. Yeah, Maurice Jones Drew. <laughs> yeah, if, if my memory serves me right. <laughs> what is this, 2003? Um, uh, sure as hell felt like it. What was most perplexing to me, listen, you watch more Charger ball than I do, and I know we haven't seen a lot of them this season, and I can understand and empathize that the way the game transpired, you know, players lose their cool. Even the best of them lose their cool. But the Joey Bosa – slamming the helmet out of frustration yeah. whatever why do you caused think he, that yeah why do you think he did that no i know I, I don't i don't i know why he did it like he was frustrated there should have been a call like he wanted a false start on them and he felt like he was getting held all game and wasn't getting the calls i understand his frustration but i also expect more from a bosa like they just know better like if you wanted like on the field we all know what a penalty is and that put like put yourself yeah. in doug peterson's shoes that I, happens. I th- he wasn't going for two. He wasn't going for two. And then it that was happened. the right move, by the way. It was the right move. A hundred percent. Because you already know what you're telling yourself. I shouldn't even be in the playoffs. I shouldn't even be in this game at this point. I don't want they missed a field goal a few minutes ago. I don't want this to be a tie ball game and go to overtime and give the better team more time to squeak something out. So, like, hey. Let's just put it all on the line. Listen, Doug Peterson's known to roll the dice. like So, like, not a surprise. But once that ball goes to the one-yard line, damn right I'm going for two um, because the next time, you know, all I need to do is kick a field goal and I win by one yeah. if I get that extra possession. And they got that extra possession. So I found that that was my statement question is, like, have you ever seen Bosa lose his cool like that before, like, in that well, scenario? How long has he been in, with the Chargers? What, like six years, seven six years, years, right? Yeah. So um, he's tired of chargering too, you yeah. know. He's t- he's tired because he's he's not used. to – This is an athlete who's used to winning, right? Yeah. He's a top prospect coming out of high school. He went to the Ohio State. They were winners there. Gets drafted by the Chargers and has known nothing when it comes to you know winning with the Chargers. And yep. he's he's trying to fight through an injury. He's, you know, he stated he's playing on one leg. He's getting held, so he's doing. He's he's playing decent. You know, you know, playing through that injury and what have you. And he just got frustrated. To me, that just shows. Is that that was not that was awful from Bosa? Can't can't sugarcoat it. But where's like, 
where's the leadership from a yeah. coach? Where's the leadership from other players? Why isn't Derwin James going over there trying to, you know, calm him down? Why isn't Khalil Mack doing that? Why isn't a coach doing that? I think when it comes down to the Chargers, they don't have savvy leadership. Uh, look on both sides of the ball. Bosa is not a leader. And when I mean that, I just mean he's he's not like – he's more of like I'm going to come come to the game, mess stuff up, and that's it. No. They they don't have that, you know, those type of players to keep other players in check and what have you. And you can tell how times they charge her or how inconsistent and sloppy they play. They don't have someone that can reel them back in from a leadership standpoint. All right. So let's talk about that for a minute. Um, I don't want to foreshadow too much about what, like we have the whole off season to project, like what they should do, what they will do, free agency draft needs, all that. Like we got plenty of time for that, but we've already seen the curtain be unveiled a little bit um, based on Joe Lombardi gets ousted. Um, your quarterback coach um, gets ousted. I think they made a move on the defensive side. So from where you sit, let's just call it 72 hours after the fact. Are you, are you in the school of thought of like these I'm okay with these moves or you sit on the side of the fence of like, based on what I saw based on another, to use your term, charging example, like does brand in your opinion, does Brandon Staley need to go? Or do you think like, he's done enough in his two years here to earn a, excuse me, a stay of execution and make some changes around them. All right. So <clears throat> I have a phrase that complacency is the enemy of progress, right? Yep. Um, and chargers always half-ass things. I, I, I personally think I, I understand you can make an argument why Brandon Staley needs to stay because the back end of that schedule they played aspiring football. I yep. get that. However, the fact back-to-back weeks, two huge blunders to end their season. The Mike Williams injury and how he played his starters for no reason whatsoever. And now the Jacksonville Jaguars. This is the second year in a row they have ended their season prematurely from gaffes from uh, Brandon Staley. What they did firing the offensive coordinator, they were always going to fire Joe Lombardi. Right. They yeah. They could win the Super Bowl and they were probably firing. Yeah. Lombardi. I mean, that was, the only, yeah, that was the only thing that was saving him, but, and uh, the quarterback coach and Shane day. Um, I get that too, because Herbert is six, six and some of the mechanics that he has has been a little sloppy this year because of the arm angles that Shane day maybe, you know, bestowed upon him. But so in my opinion, it's an incomplete, it's a bare minimum. Yeah. Right. So no, I'm not, I'm not joyous on the firing Lombardi because I think it means absolutely dog shit until you get someone real in there to replace them. I don't know if they have the capabilities of finding a legit innovative offensive mind to assist Justin Herbert. Right. I don't know. There's doubt that creeps in my mind. And in addition, once again, they're hitting the reset button to the fact that another offensive coordinator in Justin Herbert's fourth year was like three and four years, straight up ridiculous. And he has to learn a whole new system uh, once again. And it's just, it's just, it's just frustrating. And why is just the offensive side of the ball going through the changes? Why isn't the defense? They, they, they fired their linebacker coach. Yes. But Ronaldo Hill, the defensive coordinator, 
he should be out there. To, he, what does he do? He doesn't call yeah. the plays. That's Brandon Staley. Staley yeah. But what value does he really bring to this team? If he's just a, 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 a guy to be there, then there's no reason. There's no reason to have Hill. You, I feel like Staley needs another challenge in mind, i.e., you know, uh, Fangio, right? Yeah, runs the same system as is Staley's elder, but they can they can work together. That would be a, a good way. But I don't know why Hill's still the defensive coordinator of this team. They literally have the same problems they did from last year to this year, and doesn't look it doesn't look like it's going to be improved whatsoever for. You know, 34 straight games, we're talking about Chargers can't stop the run. Yeah. Right. I So you would t- touch on some things. Like, I think the firing of Joe Lombardi is just the, the pimple on the ass. Like, you know what I mean? And it's and I'm not, I'm not saying Staley's got to go. What I'm saying, and, and you alluded to, is, okay, so who do you bring in? This is because this is sometimes the struggle when you have – what could be a high flying offense, but your head coach is defensive minded, right? Cause that's where he focuses. It's not like, okay, we fired our OC, but Sean McVay's calling the plays anyway. Kyle Shanahan's calling the plays anyway. Like let him, you know what I mean? It's not changing anything. Like who's, who's coming in, right? Cause all the hot names are looking at head coaching opportunities right now. And like, and, and, and I think the biggest point is your point. This is something that's plagued Justin Herbert from college through now is just offensive coordinator after offensive coordinator after offensive coordinator with no, this was the most consistency we saw was year one to year two under Joe Lombardi, you know, in Mm -hmm. a, in a very vanilla offense when all is said and done for what, what he's capable of. Um, All right. So sucks, dude. Sucks. I I don't think like the better, I, said, like, I don't think like the better I, team won. You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna and I agree. And I'll tell you right now, um, this game broke me. Let me let me tell you how how much this game broke me. After the game, I did not watch a single ounce of playoff football on the follow the next day or the Monday. I just couldn't I couldn't watch football. I just couldn't. And I, this is not for you know for the show. You know, for me saying for the show, I just I had no interest whatsoever. I was completely like numb slash dead inside. I had no interest watching any football because it was it was way too soon. I'll, I'll watch it again this weekend, but I just could not watch the Sunday and the Monday night game. Well, dude, you you would have so like you I'm, kept hearing the, the, shit. the story just, over and over and over again, and there's yeah. too much time, right? Like if your if your game was Sunday night or Monday night. <coughs> Excuse me. You would have watched yeah. all weekend, right? I would have. Like, I would have went. Through, what is it like? Those like stages of whatever of like yeah. grief or something. Like it's like you know acceptance, you know anger. Like I would have been through all those stages yeah. uh, by the following week. But the fact that it was Saturday night, yeah, couldn't do it, man. Couldn't do it. I had Dude, no right? interest. I I avoided. I avoided anything sports related. Like uh, a task that my wife gives me on, on a Sunday morning, like, like the honey to do list. <laughs> yeah, I, like I was, I was like literally like Neo in the Matrix, just dodging, sh- you, know, you know, anything sports. Dude, that was my biggest fear about the 49ers having the first game, right? I was like, if this doesn't go well, this weekend's a wash, right? Like it's an absolute wash on a long weekend, on a holiday weekend, right? Where I had Monday off and no distraction to like get back to work or or whatever it might be. And now I'm at the inverse. 
where the Niners got the last game this weekend. So now I'll watch like, so I got to watch football comfortably all weekend. Next weekend, I'm going to watch it miserably all weekend because of the anxiety of leading up to that final game (laughs) and that like national spotlight, if you will. So I'm like, I'm I'm polar opposite from weekend to weekend, and I don't know what to 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 do with myself about it, but um, is what it is, man. Yep. Already looking at draft prospects, as I told you before. All right. Well, there you go. There's some off-season content coming your way, listeners. Lou will be <laughs> uh, rev- unveiling some draft prospects that maybe some of you have never even heard of, but might you know cast a spotlight on them, whether they go to his team or another team. So. Awesome. All right. Plenty more to come about the chargers uh, come this off season. So let's quickly parlay into the, the Niners Seahawks game. Uh, Obviously the outcome that was expected. Uh, Let me, let let me switch it up on you. Let me ask you some questions. Yeah, yeah, please, please. Okay. So going into the game, uh, we might have touched upon this in the last show, but what was your thought process where was your mindset? Where was your confidence level going into this game? Well, I just alluded to how nervous I was being that it was the first game and I was already worried that it was going to ruin my entire weekend, right? Depending upon the outcome. So that's like <laughs> step one. Step two, we beat this drum last year when it, in the NFC Championship about playing the same team three times in a season and you won the first two games. The expectations become a little bit more loftier. Hey, listen. I picked the 49ers to win this game and you know, I don't ordinarily do that. Right. So I was confident on paper that we were definitively the better team because the games that I watched earlier this year, we were definitively like the better team and it wasn't close, but this is still, we always talk about that, that bugaboo, right? You know, the Seattle Seahawks have just been the boogeyman, you know, and I know they're Russell, Russell Wilson less, right. And he's normally, the boogeyman for the 49ers. But if anybody's going to derail you, it's going to be this team. I was nervous riding a 10-game win streak, right? That's a long time to go without losing a football game. And sometimes that doesn't bode well, even though it's like, hey, you're the hottest team. Like, you haven't lost in this long. Like, you know, here's a funny here's a funny thing for you, Lou. So I will allude to it, but I will not go any deeper because now is not the right time. But I'm hoping – over the remainder of this postseason, that on this show, I'm going to issue a formal apology to my wife, a formal apology that is 49er related. That's all I'm going to say about it. We're not there yet. Um, That being said, my wife has this just weird intuition about football. So before she even really started avidly watching with me, sometimes when I would just do pickums and stuff like that, I'd be like, babe, this team, this team. And she knows the team's names, but she doesn't, she didn't know players or anything. And I'm going back to like 2010, 11, 12. Like that's how long we've been together. And she'd just be like, Oh, this team's going to win. And she'd be right, dude, with no context, no knowledge. It's just this intuition thing. I looked at her before five minutes before kickoff. And I was like, I'm nervous. And she's like, listen, they're going to start slow. Let me tell you, nobody's on the Brock Purdy bandwagon more than my wife is right now. Like she can't get <laughs> enough of this content and what she's sending to me. She goes, listen, in her words, they're going to, st- the, they're going to start slow. The first half is going to feel a little sluggish, but all will be right with the world in the second half. Her exact words, five minutes before kickoff. 
She's and already she, she's already a better analyst than Emmanuel Acho. So. Yeah, already without <laughs> even trying, just trying to calm her husband down, right? Like whether she believed what she was saying to me or not, like so just going into the game, like it's playoffs, dude. I'm I'm nervous. I'm I'm you know, dude, I'm the guy who tells you every game is must win, right? Like this is a must win game, right? So you're going into the playoffs. What I love about our sport is there's no best of seven, best of five, best of three. It's winner go home, right? And all it takes is one bad game, one big play, right? And and your whole season's over. All this emotion and build up. So I was really nervous going into the game. Um, but my gut told me, like on paper, definitively a better football team, right? And I was confident in that. And I think the second half showed that, like, we were by far in a way a better football team. Yeah. Um, You know, everything went right in this game. Like, I'd say when I look at – so it's funny. Over the last few days, you're seeing all these different analysis is around, you know, Brock Purdy's play. And if you went to the stat line, you'd be like, God damn. For, you know, for a rookie, like you said, like rookie records, right? Like only rookie to ever have four touchdowns in a playoff game or whatever, like that he said. But, like, I go back and watch the tape, and I'm like, it wasn't stellar, you know? Like, it, it doesn't. Especially in the first half. The first half. So, remember we talked about, like, uh, last week about Brock Purdy's play. I'm like, I remember watching Brock Purdy play at Iowa State. I, w- I wish we can, like, kind of, like, then, you know, uh, cut in last week's episode. I remember him running around like a chicken out of the head. Yeah. Uh, and, and in the first half of, of the Seahawks game, I felt like he was – early to bail out of the pocket and that's not where his strong suit is and yeah you're right it started off a little slow and 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 yeah i think you know it was a little challenging in that first half for him i, I mean dude we started up 10 nothing right like the game couldn't you know we held them their, their first two series were three and outs mm-hmm. right so like Defense, momentumly yeah. speaking but it it did to me look like he just didn't settle in and i don't want to say the moment was too big but he was hyped up for the moment right yeah. um i think like there's one there's one play that pops to mind where he quote unquote missed Brandon Ayuk deep, right? Brandon Ayuk stopped running the route. I would argue that if Ayuk continued to run the route, he'd hit him. But like to me, that was like, hey, things have been going so well for me that I'm gonna continue to go take that big shot and not trust the things that have been going well. Like take the most open guy, which is Debo Samuel running wide open in the middle of the field, clear as day. That probably could have been a touchdown in itself with how much space he had if he hit him with the ball. So there was just things like that. You know, there's a play to Jennings that people are like, oh, look at that dart. Like, that, it wasn't a good throw. Like, it wasn't a good throw. It snuck in. Quandre Diggs, if he was paying attention and not just trying to, like, get there and maybe even make a hit on Jawan Jennings, maybe even could have picked it off. There was an earlier throw on one of the first few series where it was just a it was just a pass defense knocked down by the defender but had Jawan wide open held the ball a little too long and gave the time, the receiver time to recover I mean excuse me the d back time to recover and deflect the ball away so just like a little like uncharacteristic uncharacteristic of him and then he settled in what i did see once he kind of settled in was like his propensity to step up in the pocket versus trying to bail out of the pocket. And when you saw him step up, it was like, Oh, by the way, there's my check down. Oh, twice. Once to Elijah Mitchell, once to, you know, Christian McCaffrey that resulted in touchdowns by kind of like stepping up. Yes. Holding on to the ball a little bit of time, but not bailing out, you know, being chased by these defenders. And that's like maturation that, that you see that Kyle Shanahan coached him on. So I thought he played a great game. 
I'm in, I find myself in this very weird situation when I watch Brock Purdy. So from Alex Smith days, literally up until I would say the Tampa Bay, the end of the Tampa Bay game with Brock Purdy, my, my, my mentality has changed. I, I went from watching every single quarterback from Alex Smith up until Brock, every time they drop back, just being nervous. Like I have, no idea where this ball is going to go. Like I think about like if I watch the Chiefs or if I watch the Bills and Mahomes or Allen just goes to air it out down the field where you can't even see the receiver in the camera picture, right? You just see it out. Like my mind goes, touchdown. They see something and know something that I don't. I know they're going to get the ball out. Mm-hmm. Like most recently with Jimmy, every time he dropped back and if that ball was going somewhere where that receiver was not already in the camera angle, I was like, this is being intercepted. Like <laughs> that was literally my thought. Or it, it, it's it's not going to be pretty, right? Like, I haven't had that with Brock recently. Like, there's a trust to like what he's doing, and whether it's just like, like he's dude, like you can't you can't downplay this. Like, I know he's got a ton of talent around him, but he's balling. Like, he's balling, and he's way exceeded my expectations. I thought the season was over when Jimmy went down. I'm like, we might limp into the playoffs, but like, this is a third string quarterback. This ain't going to go all that well third string for a reason you know what i mean like he's mr irrelevant for a reason i'm eating my words i'm fine with that plenty comfortable i think the coolest thing about this game though dude was the best throw that i saw him make was actually an incompletion that should have been a touchdown in the back you've seen this highlight to brandon Ayuk, mm-hmm. where he scrambled literally from the left side of the field the right side of the field through a fucking dart to Ayuk, hits him right in his chest leaning out of the end zone drops it but what makes me excited about this is that play alone bro Jimmy don't make that play. That's a sack. Yeah. That ball's thrown away, and that's the difference. This is the same offense, but what Brock is doing with the in buying time with that short area quickness, even if it is bailing out of the pocket or stepping in the pocket, even if it's incomplete, it's second and ten. It's third and ten. You get another play that's manageable. With Jimmy, unfortunately, in some of those scenarios, that might have been second and 18. Third and 18. Mm-hmm. super obvious passing downs. Um, I don't know if you saw the, the Dan Orlovsky, um, you know, Mina Kimes, uh, who is it? Marcus, is it Marcus Spears? That's on, on the show too. Yep, yep. Uh, Ryan Clark, Ryan Clark, RC, when they were trying to break down like what Kyle Shanahan has going. And dude, this, I, I said this when McCaffrey came over, right? Like this concept of like positionless football. It's crazy, bro. They had plays where McCaffrey was literally hand in the dirt, tight end. Like, wh- what do you do when you see these players all over the place? Like, he's just got it's 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 a, it's a comforter feeling, but it's a scary feeling because you have it's so also, much talent. Yeah, I just feel like there's an embarrassment of riches there. But what even makes it even more dangerous is not just the personnel that you guys have, is that you have the acumen and the intel, the offensive minded genius of Kyle Shanahan to put these players in position to succeed. So you know, you have the personnel and, yep. and the coaching aspect and they're, they're making, you know, Purdy look fantastic and Purdy's just staying within the system, not calling him the system quarterback whatsoever, nope. but I'm just saying, he's like, wow, I got all these awesome, you know, these highly talented players and skill position players, you know, at my disposal, I'll just make them make the play. He's playing within himself. He, yep. He's not trying to make, you know, things happen. And he has that luxury because guess what? If he doesn't, if he doesn't succeed on a couple, you know, a couple of drives, 
he knows that defense will help bail him out and get him the ball again. It's a it's a luxury to know a nice warm, you know, feeling that you know what? If I don't have a you know good drive, I'll get the ball back because our defense is fucking stellar. So it's it, an embarrassment of riches because even on the defensive side, you have Demarco, uh, De, uh, Demarco, Demico uh, Ryan's. Uh, you know, putting you know his players in, you know, in succeed, yep. uh, to succeed there. It's. It, I think what's the best about what Kyle's doing right now is understanding how defenses align, right? Like, and what their adjustments are, and what their sights are, and what their audibles and calls are, and it's usually off of formation. So whether you're in twenty-one or eleven or even thirty-one personnel, like. It's it's so he can call the same play seven times over and just move players into different positions, even though it's the same alignment and it throws everybody off. Right. Yeah, like, I used to do that all the time with Madden. I'm telling you, you literally pick different formations, but have the same exact plays. That's exactly what it's like. You're right. And, it's like you're having. All right. Instead of Kittle being the tight end, you have Debo, you know, you know, uh, in, in line. Or, you're just yep. like I'm not saying that's what they did, but. You're just literally changing the parts and changing the window dressing. But guess what? It's the same exact play. But you can't play the same exact way because the personnel is completely different and they have completely different skill different. sets. So yeah, it like, is like it is it's he's he's playing yeah, he's playing yeah. chess out there. He's playing exactly. Chess. So we already talked about I had questions about, you know, what are some of the you know things that came, you know, I was gonna ask you what some of the things that you came away with this game that you know makes you feel encouraged. We've already addressed that. Yeah, I want to, you know, because I'm in, in a pissed off, bitter mood. I want to focus on the negative side as I normally do. What were some of the worry things that made you a little worrisome, you know, during this game? Uh, that you think, hey, this could be a problem for the Niners if they don't, uh, you know, shore it up, you know, for later on in the playoffs. Yeah. Um. Great. Great question. So a couple things. First half, three field goals. Right. And I would say at least two, if not all three of those possessions could have been like, you'd like to see seven points there, right? Like against a, a, a better offense, a higher powered offense, a la what's coming in this weekend, like nine might not cut it, but 21 out of those possessions or even 17 instead of nine is, is game changing. So I would, I chalk that up to stall, like stalling inside the red zone a little bit. Okay. And I know. Red zone efficiency. That's, yeah, a, that's, that's a big that one. That scares me. Um, dumb penalties happens all the time with the 49ers. They, I, they, I, I feel like they find one a week, whether it's just like Jimmy Ward was the prime example on that, you know, right before half where they squib kicked it. Geno scrambles. They got no timeout or one timeout left, and there's like one second left on the clock by the time he gets down, and he's yeah. sliding, and Jimmy hits him and puts him 15 yards. You just went all the way down the field kick a field goal to go up 16, 14 and a half and a half that arguably didn't go your way. And the defense wasn't playing all that well. And then you just put him in a position to pick up, kick a field goal and you go in 17, 14, or you, you go into the half down 17, 16. It just took away all the work that you just did over the final four minutes of that first mm -hmm. half. And you give that team belief, right? Like that's scary again, against a better team, a higher caliber team, that belief might and that momentum might be all they need to turn the tide in the second half. So that the dumb penalty that rears its ugly head. And then I would say um, just defensively, like the, 
the pressure's not there right now. Uh, Hufunga, who was all world in the first seven, eight weeks of the season, has had a busted assignment one to two times every game that yields a, a big play, you know, and in, in an inopportune time. So, like, for the first time all season, I'm actually more confident in the offense than I am the defense. Wow. And that, based on who's coming to town, that's a little scary. You know, I think what balances it, again, based on who's coming to town, they've never seen this offense before, right? So, like, you know, I, I trust the defense enough to not give up 35 points in a game, which is what we're averaging, you know, offensively over the last mm-hmm. wh- whatever you want to call it, six, seven weeks. But, yeah. you know. Bosa has been a little quiet over the last few weeks. Um, I, I'd love to see him get back into the, the mix and, and that, and, and that, that I think I'm more, I'm worried about defensive prowess right now. That's my biggest, like if I'm being a Debbie downer and I still can't help, but carry the, when is this other shoe going to drop on, For on, on number 13th? Yeah. I don't know if it is, and I don't think it is, and I think we're a good enough team that even if, like, you know what, dude? I I, I wanted to save this for this. You know what? I'll I'll save this point. Save save it, yes. And say we'll come back to it when we're looking at the Niners-Cowboys game. Teasing teasing our our, our listeners. We'll come back to it. We'll come back to it. I think it's a good idea because I do have some questions about that. too. All right, cool. So, listen, good win, big win, significant win outside of the Monday night game. Oh, even including the Monday night game, it was the biggest margin of victory out of the entire wild card weekend. You know, further validation that this team is for real. I, I, I'm happy with it. Um, I told you it was the one team that I really didn't want to play um, was being Seattle. Like I know I mentioned I didn't want to play like the, the ghost of Aaron Rodgers and all of those things. But really, when it came down to it, I was like, damn. You try, like I, I would love to at all costs avoid having to play the same time, team three times. There's, you you can't create a disadvantage. They have all the tape on you. They've seen everything, right? Like, what else can you do? Like when it's the third game, you just have to go be better at the other team, even when they know what you're gonna do. You just have to be better. Yeah, and they were better. Last thing I'll say, and just I'm still pissed off that um. We were robbed the opportunity to watch the Lions versus Niners because I think that game would have been would have been a great game. It would have been a fantastic game. Listen, the Lions offense gives deep teams problems. And I think the difference here is the Lions are a little slower on grass, right? Like outdoors, mm-hmm. like they look real good when they're on turf and in a dome and they're a fast offense. But they're physical though, too, at the offensive line position. Very physical. Like they, they would get that, that's what I wanted to see. I wanted to see, you know, hundred percent. They would yeah. give our defense all they could handle. But, but the problem is, is yeah. we would give their defense probably way more than they could have handled. Agree. Agree. Way more than they could have handled. I digress. All right, let's go ahead and jump into these divisional rounds and we'll mm-hmm. pick them as we review each game, right? Good, so like good. we'll give kind of our like feedback and then tell me who thinks going to win. So I'm just going in order of times of these games. So the first one up on the docket Saturday, you got the Jacksonville Jaguars traveling to the number 1 seed Kansas City Chiefs. I just got off my 49er high horse. Lou, I'll let you tell me what you're thinking about this game. Um Still, still too soon for me. Now, okay, <laughs> inside Jacksonville. I'm done. Uh, I'm hanging up. I, I love the fact, you know, 
you have uh, Peterson, Andy Reid type of like, um, you know, uh, storyline yep. or narrative there. Uh, you, you love that you have two young gunslingers uh, quarter, you know, uh, under the quarterback. I just, in my opinion, I just feel like until the Chiefs lose, I'm always going to be in their corner yeah. in regards to picking them to win. Um, I just coming off a bye, giving Andy Reid another week. The 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 talent that they have, uh, you know, on the offensive side of the ball. And here's something that rarely gets talked. Their defense isn't great, but they do apply pressure. I think they're like top five in sacks, if I'm not mistaken. So they could give you know Trevor Lawrence some fits going to a hostile environment on the road. Um, I, I just feel like it's always going to be Mahomes. It's always going to be Andy Reid until until otherwise. There's there's only like two teams, in my opinion, on the AFC side that can give me that can cast some doubt on with the Kansas City, and they're they're playing the other slate a game. So. Um, it's a great story for the the Jacksonville Jaguars because they started off so slow, and now here they are. They're in the playoffs, second round. I get it. That being said, I just think this is where you know the fat lady starts warming up her bagpipes there. Yeah, it, it's it's funny, dude, because I say this a lot that like often the bye week, I don't find it to really be beneficial to teams in the playoffs because like if but you're playing Andy well Reed, it is, that's what i'm saying unless you are a well-coached team right like if you're a well-coached team you have that team in position to like to understand like what work needs to be put in it's probably not treated as a full bye week there's probably meetings galore like it's not your traditional like bye week during the regular season where like you don't even see the team right like you give them three four five days just to get away from you know the office and 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 films and everything and just kind of recoup um, and heal. What's crazy <laughs> to me about this game is I, I, there's just something scary about a team that doesn't belong, right? Like, that doesn't belong. Like, they got nothing to lose, bro. Like, nothing to lose. And, and I, games can change on, like, a fake punt here, a fake field goal there, a block kick because they're just sending everybody. Like, that can change the tide. But I, I totally agree with you. Kansas City is by far and away the better football team on paper. Like, it's not even close, in my opinion. They have the best player at the most important position. Patrick Mahomes is probably going to win the MVP. And I've been saying on this show, off this show, to anybody that I talk to that I think Kansas City is going to win the Super Bowl, right? Like, how would I pick Jacksonville or any team to actually beat them, especially on the road, right? Like, got to travel, got to go to Arrowhead. We know what that presents. Now, that being said, so I'm coming out and saying Kansas City is going to win this football game. That's my pick. Uh, no shocker. But I think Jacksonville will make it a game. I don't yeah. think it's going to be a blowout. They're going to make it a football game. They're going to yeah. they're going to be they're going to play physical inspiring, one thing I, inspiring one, football. Yeah. One thing I saw from that defense because listen, <laughs> I know LA went up twenty seven nothing on them. But I don't really fault the defense. The offense put the defense in bad position time and time and time again. Mm -hmm. Like there wasn't real true 80, 90 yard drives, seven, 10 minute drives. It was quick change of events. We're like, shit, we got to go right back out there. Oh my God, we were on the, we were off the field for two plays. We got to go right back out there. This defense is fast. And that's how Kansas City plays. They play fast, right? Um, so I think 
they're a formidable opponent. But when all said and done, it's it's Patrick Mahomes. He's a fucking magician. And whether this game is close or not, like he'll find a way to win this football game. I'm not worry yes. about it. So uh, I agree with you. I, th- I think it's going to be – I don't think it's going to be a blowout whatsoever. But why I'm so confident in the Chiefs is Jacksonville can stop the run well. Chiefs yep. don't care to run the ball, right? Jacksonville has trouble stopping the pass if they don't uh, get to the quarterback. And they've been better as of late getting to the quarterback. However, what separates this Chiefs team from the Chargers team is the Ch- Kansas City has a really good offensive line to neutralize the physicality of the Jacksonville Jaguars. That's why I think they might not play as an imperative role in, in the outcome. But still, I think Lawrence – you know, the, you know, we'll find a way to keep it close. Don't expect a blowout whatsoever. All right. So we both got Chiefs. Yeah. All right. Let's Giants, Eagles. You know, I went AFC. You can start in the NFC. All right. Um, gosh. Like the fan in me, you know, I've said it you multiple times on the show. I do, but I don't. Here's why I don't. I don't because anytime in my lifetime, the 49ers have had to play the giants in an NFC championship game. It has not gone my way period point blank. It's happened twice and I'm we're over two right in the NFC championship game over two. We've beat them in the playoffs. They beat us before in the playoffs, but when it's the NFC championship game, there is the 1990 Roger Craig fumble. When we were going in to put this game away, they come back, they come down the field, kick a field goal, win the football game. And then there's the double overtime, or excuse me, the overtime. We force Eli Manning to punt and Giants to punt the ball twice. Kyle Williams fumbles the punt. Two plays later, they kick a field goal, and they go on to beat the New England Patriots, who we would have mopped in that Super Bowl with that team that the 49ers had. Um, So that's why I don't want the Giants to win, because, like, it just doesn't go my – I might have to go to the game to change my – because normally it's a big family party. <laughs> I'm the only 49er fan. All of my family's all littered in Giants gear, riding me the entire game. A thing called the crying room was invented from the 1990 NFC Championship game where I locked myself in a room and cried because I was seven years old, eight years old at the time Did you say you were 17 years old 18 years old i was, was 30 i know i said i was 37 years old uh, <laughs> okay, no. I, I couldn't hear you uh, no. well, um in any case but i want the giants to win because i hate the philadelphia eagles like who doesn't hate the philadelphia eagles especially from like where we're from here's the here's here's the this real scoop i think the philadelphia eagles are the better team i i don't think it's even a question. I know everybody's riding high off of Daniel and Giants fans specifically riding Daniel Jones, you know, bag after he played a tremendous game against the Minnesota Vikings, a tremendous game. But his two best games this year have been against the Minnesota Vikings and their defense is legitimately like a laughing stock right now. Like it's not the Mike Zimmer uh Minnesota Viking defense by any means. So I just I just think the Giants are outclassed from a talent perspective in this game. But I also just said before how I don't think teams tend to benefit from the bye week. I'm not saying Nick Sirianni is a bad coach. I don't know much about him. This is a second year under helm, right? Like you don't have the history behind it like you have with Andy Reid to be comfortable like on how he handles a bye week. 
I just don't know how much faith I have in Philadelphia off a bye week, you know, like lost two games, barely beat a giant team that didn't play any of their starters when Jalen Hurts came back. Now you're in a bye week. Where's the rhythm? And we always talk about it. It's never the best team that wins. It's always the hottest team. And I'm not saying the Giants are the hottest team, but I'm telling you they're hot. They're winning football games right now. They look like they did at the beginning of the season when they were like seven and two. And people are like, what? The New York Giants are seven and two. I didn't think they'd win seven games all year. Yeah. And they're seven and two. Um, so all I, that- I, I, I want to, real quick, yeah, I want to actually touch upon what you just said right there. This is where, for instance, I agree with you. A younger team that has a bye can be problematic uh, from, you know, starting off slow. In addition, I think, well, let's not forget had Jalen Hurts missed a couple of games toward the end of the year. So I really do think there's going to be a rust factor for the Eagles. 100%. And in addition, their defense start off like gangbusters for the first, like, you know, 10 weeks of the season. But you can run on them because of, the, you know, some of the injuries they had with Jordan Davis and what have you. So Josh Sweat down. Yeah. Right? So like it's exactly. And I feel like this is where a team that you, like you stated before, that doesn't belong could be dangerous. They know their opponent and, and what have you. Uh, but I mean, I don't want to steal your thunder. I'll let you, you know, predict the game first. Yeah. But I just wanted to throw as always my two cents in there to kind of reiterate what you were saying. So here, here's the, Two things. If the and I know this might sound obvious, but if the Eagles get out to like fourteen nothing, games a wrap. Eagles might put fifty on them. Might put fifty on them. It just because then the rust is gone, right? They're flying with confidence, and then they're they're thinking the team they are. I think Saquon has to have twenty five touches in this game if the yeah. Giants want it realistic because they're not going to throw the ball to their no name wide receivers over. James Bradbury, Darius Slay, and the rest of that secondary. Um, so Daniel Jones is going to have to win it. With it, it has to be through the running game. I'm saying a lot to say that I still think the Philadelphia Eagles win the football game. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm also going with you as well. But I, I literally think the game flow would be uh, slow for the Eagles. They might even trail in the first half. Um, that's how slow it's going to be for them because of that rust factor. And I really feel like they'll start pulling away start like midway through the third quarter when, you know, everything's, you know, uh, you know, all, everything, you know, all cylinders are, you know, going there. So I'm picking I, the Eagles. I do think that if they go into halftime trailing the Eagles, they might be in trouble, man. We're talking about who is the king of defensive coordinators over the last 20 years in the NFL. It's Wink Martindale, right? Like, it's what it's what he does. It's it's who he is. Like this guy is like kamikaze. kamikaze. He's literally balked at like head coaching jobs because he's like not my gig, not my shtick, right? Like this is my side of the ball. This is what I do. <laughs> um, that that could spell trouble. I agree with everything you're saying. Like we're gonna see some rust. We're gonna see something slow. I just don't think the Giants are dominant enough offensively to like take advantage of that, which will keep the game close. Then if they let the Eagles hit their stride, it's it's going to be dangerous territory. Again, we just talked about the 49ers playing the Seahawks three times, and they beat the Seahawks the previous two times. Eagles are in the same boat. They played the Giants. This will now be the third time they play the Giants, and they've beat the Giants the previous two times. Last time, 
little scary. Like I said, close football game, none of their starters, Jalen just coming back, even after a two game skid with him out. I just think, I think what, what, if I'm an Eagles fan, what gives me cause for concern is in the back half of the, the bat, the last three games of the season, I saw our team take two steps back versus the two steps forward you want going into the playoffs. Yeah. But all that to say, they're still going to win the football game. I agree. Yeah, I concur. All right. Sunday. What a good slate of games on Sunday See, here. Yeah, the su- <laughs> this, the, this is the, the Sunday. I'm going to try to put work in on Saturday so with I can have – With the family. With the family, so, right? Yeah, like a really so, busy Saturday. So Sunday, you know, I may have the day of rest. But go ahead. What was it? Uh, Bengals. Bengals, Bills. Okay, where is it? Where is this being played? In Buffalo. In Buffalo. Yeah, the uh, only game that's at a neutral site would be the uh, AFC Championship. Game. This is going to be probably my favorite game outside. Uh, I don't even know if the Super Bowl can live up to you know to this type of this matchup because of what happened a couple of weeks back, right? Uh, yep. How they they were playing a couple of weeks, you know what happened with Demar Hamlin and what have you. So I am really looking forward to this game. And I think it's not going. It's going to be star-studded. Um, looking at you know who I think you know wins the game. I'm, I won't get into that right now, but I'm a little concerned for Buffalo. Um, and I get it. It was it was a division opponent, and who knows you better than someone in your division? But you can't let. And like I said, I did not watch any of the games, so this is just me, you know, scoreboard watching. Just like uh, the majority of these NFL analysts, uh, you know, when they make these their uh, you know their predictions or what have you, but you can't let someone come into your house, a third string quarterback, and do that to you. That is sticking in the back of my mind, right? And that's concerning because, frankly, I don't think that game should have been as close. That game should not have been as close. And then you can now say, hey, Lou, the caveat is this, right? Well, look what happened with the Bengals and the Ravens. A little, I think that was, you know, a little different. Um, they played back-to-back weeks. Um, so um, I, I just think, uh, I just think, I, in my opinion, that's a concerning look, especially for the Buffalo defense, this vaunted defense. They really are missing Von Miller. Uh, he's he's such a huge difference maker, and the fact you know he he got hurt out for the year, I think that's going to hurt them come the you know come down the stretch. And I really like from an offensive standpoint on how the Bengals can beat you. They can beat you through the air, and they don't do it often, but they can't they can run on you. And um, so those are my two senses, just the thought process of the game in itself. Uh, but I'll let you, I'll I'll let you you know. Kind I was going to ask if you wanted me to go before you make your pick. Yeah, all yeah. right. So I agree <laughs> on all accounts. What I saw from Buffalo last week was very concerning. Very concerning. Like people will be like, "Listen, before that game started, Miami should have never been in the game, but they were in the game, and they weren't in the game because of how well Miami played. Like I think they were in the game because of how poorly Buffalo played and how poorly Buffalo executed. And their only reason why Miami didn't win the game is because they didn't play well. Like your superstars, like, dude, Jalen Waddle, how many drop passes, like yeah. open big spots, big plays, like momentum changing opportunities. And I'm seeing 
I'm seeing Josh Allen play hero ball right now. Right. Like, and I don't think that's when he's best. I think he's his mm-hmm. best when he just goes and plays ball. Right. Like, and takes what the defense gives him and doesn't force those things downfield. Uh, it, it, it just, they feel a little shaky. I think defense has looked susceptible. Novon Miller is, is the obvious. And I think like, I, I think there's this misconception that Buffalo runs the ball. Well, like, and they do that because their quarterback gets them 50 to 70 yards of rushing every single game. But from the running back position, there's not a ton of production. Like, they'll have some some flashy runs here and there, but the consistency of it, and I think the way that you beat Cincinnati is you keep Joe Burrow and that offense off the field. Like, you have to control the clock, time of possession, convert on third downs, get off the field on third down, you know, defensively. Dude, I'm a big fan of Buffalo, right? Like, I, I love Josh Allen. I love I love Sean McDermott. I love everything about that program other than the fact that I'm just not a Bills Mafia-like fan or whatever it might be. Like, the Niners have my heart. I'm telling you right, right now. So hold on, hold on, hold on. Before you give your pre- – I don't know if you're about to, on the verge of giving your prediction. I was about to, yes. All right, but does it change the fact that I, I was just looking up that uh, Zach Taylor stated that both uh, their starting left tackle and guard was it uh, Williams and um, Kappa are week to week with their injuries, meaning they're most likely most likely missing this game. So you're losing two starting offensive linemen out of five. So that's forty percent. If I did the math right, carry the one divided by seven, square root of seventeen. Yeah, that's two. about right. Yep. Yeah, two. Yeah, yeah, I think that's right. Does that cause you concern now? Because Buffalo does have a vaunted front four, even without Von Miller. Not obviously not as good. Yeah, they I mean, still they still got play. Russo. They still got other players, right? The D tackles are Ed Oliver. Like, they're good players there. Um, you want the honest truth? Not really, because that was the storyline on Cincinnati all last postseason, and they still went to the Super Bowl and had a shot to win that Super Bowl, right? Like, they gave up, like, what was it? Like, the most sacks in a playoff run ever. That's how they started the season. Even with those guys there, they're not real. They haven't been good, you know. Like in protecting Joe Burrow, to me, it's just it's another day at the office for for Joe Burrow on that offense. All it means to me is, all right, maybe not as many shots down the field. You know, we're looking at some more quick releases. You're going to see a lot of work out of the slant. Like, I mean, excuse me, out of the slot. All that tells me is Tyler Boyd's probably going to have a big day for himself, right? Like because it's going to be closest to the line they'll move jamar chase around they'll throw mixing out in the slot um so it doesn't really give me a lot of concern uh so much so that i'm 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 gonna pick the Bengals to win this game on the road okay so you probably were hearing from me when i was speaking right that i was probably leaning towards the Bengals, given everything i was saying because i was concerned uh about what miami did to that buffalo defense however two things first I did pick the Bills to go to the Super Bowl this year. Yeah. And they're te- technically still in the playoffs. So what kind of man would I be if I didn't stay with my word to pick the Bills to go to the Super Bowl if they're still in the tournament, right? Yep. Number one. Number two, personally I think, you know, the, the, the DeMar Hamlin thing is going to be a huge narrative. You, it's going it, to – I think that's – it sounds corny and cliche, but – Happens all the time, and I really feel like they're going to rise up. And uh, there's this is no insight, no analytics, or anything like that. This is pure, just like gut feeling. 
I think Buffalo just rises up. Maybe they fix some of their issues they had uh, last week. And maybe they get to Burrow more because I am concerned not having two starting offensive linemen on the road. Uh, I think that's going to have an impact. I'm picking the Buffalo Bills here. All right. So you heard it here. Lou's got Bills Chiefs AFC Championship game. All right. I got I got Chiefs. Which I, did, which I predicted, by the way, which I predicted preseason. Yes. Um, I mean, I love to see the Niners Bills that Berman Bowl that never that, that came to fruition. That, Ooh, I would, I would love that. I would that love. All right, just, so let's go to the last game. All right, we're doing good. Game. By the way, we're doing good on time. I know. Um, we're gonna, we're gonna move. Um, and this will, this will wrap us up. So you got the 49ers, Cowboys. Uh, what I love about this is this is like nostalgia week for me, right? Like this is, I, it is a a very well known fact that I the team that I despise the most is the Seattle Seahawks, but that is based off of the last 11 years and recency bias. The truth is growing up, the team that I hated the most was the Dallas Cowboys. This, this 49ers Cowboys matchup was a three consecutive times was the NFC championship game. And the winner of that team obviously went to the Super Bowl, but the winner, excuse me, the winner of that game obviously went to the Super Bowl, but the winner of that game won the Super Bowl, right? Like this was the NFL rivalry for that <laughs> early to mid nineties um, until the 49ers remain, but then Cowboys kind of fell off for a little while. That being said, um, it, it's, I got some questions if you want to yeah, answer them for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hit me with some questions first, and then I'll I'll kind of drag through my narrative on this game because I have okay, too well, many thoughts okay. to put out here. Will Tom Brady play for your Niners next year? No, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> all kidding aside. Um, it's possible. It's possible, dude. It, it, it's just I have two simple questions. First and foremost, where do you feel like the San Francisco 49ers have the advantage over the Dallas Cowboys? I'm going to be singular, I'll, singular. I just want one. What is the match? Like there's like, that is the matchup. It could be a player, could be uh, a side of the ball, could be coaching. You tell me what's that one thing you feel the utmost confidence in being like, no, we got that. Our offense versus their defense. Wow. Okay. Go ahead. The floor is yours. All right. So our offense versus their defense. This was this this is actually the perfect question because remember I said I'm gonna save a point. This will bring me to that point. So we all saw what Dallas. It's amazing how one week changes an entire narrative on a team, right? This is a team that got smacked around by a third string quarterback against by, Washington. Right. By the way, who 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 picked Dallas last week? This guy to win the game. Did I yeah. pick Dallas? No, you picked Tampa. I did. How do you bet against the goat? You know, and in a in a wild card round, in a wild card round, like that's a shoe in for twenty years, <laughs> like literally a shoe in for twenty. I told years. you it has to turn black. You know, like it's roulette it has to turn black one time. Do you know the last time the Dallas Cowboys won a road playoff game? Nineteen ninety two against the San Francisco 49ers in the NFC Championship game. Yeah, so. A long time ago, right? But that being said, the reason why – so we saw what Dallas faced, you know, oh, we only gave up whatever, X number of points to Tampa Bay. Okay, cool, 45-year-old stationary quarterback who they've been out of sync 
literally all season. Don't even pretend to no, run. No, 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 no. You watch your mouth. You pick them to win. Now doesn't matter. Now <laughs> I don't have listen, I'll get to why I picked them. Okay. I just told you I picked them to win. You don't fucking pick against Tom Brady in a wild card game. Like you would have literally <laughs> for 21 consecutive years, you would have been wrong. <laughs> like for 21 just, consecutive I, I, years, you've been wrong. I'm just busting your balls, but go ahead. It's fine. And I only have one, so it's ball. <laughs> well, uh, just your ball. <laughs> take it easy on it. I only got the one left. Um I don't think Dallas has faced an offense like this before, right? And we all talk about like bully ball. Listen, I'm not knocking Dallas's defense. They have a good defense and they're good in certain areas. I think where you play into what Dallas does well is they rush the passer well and they take shots in the D in the secondary where they end up picking off passes. <laughs> I don't think the 49ers are going to make any any qualms about what they're trying to go and do in there. And I would not be shocked to see Kyle Shanahan tote the rock 40 times in this game. If it goes the way they're going to make them feel it, it's going to be a physical game. So you're saying, so you're saying that the Dallas has not faced an offense like this. However, I would kind of combat you and say they have faced the Eagles twice, physical offensive line, uh, you know, a lot of playmakers, you know, just just you know, don't be devil's advocate here. I'm just saying the positionless football, the 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 running scheme, okay. the the mismatches that are created, the the physicality of this. I mean, <laughs> dude, every all all nine guys that aren't involved in the play, meaning the quarterback and who he hands it off to, are blocking their their balls off, right? Like they're 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 blocking. They're physical. They're dogs. Here's the other thing I would say that why I think the offense is better. So if I go back to last year when they played in the wild card round, I would argue, yes, I know that game came down to like, you know, a Dak blunder where he slid too late and time ran out and the 49ers won by six points. And if they scored their kick, the extra point, they can win. Right. But all that damage that that comeback was done in the fourth quarter. And it was done when Nick Bosa missed the entire second half with a concussion. Fred Warner missed the majority of the fourth quarter with a rolled ankle, right? So like your two biggest contributors on the defensive side of the ball are not even there for the majority of the second half. Nick literally missed the entire second half. That concussion happened uh, late in the second quarter. And then that run starts to happen late in the fourth quarter with like eight minutes left. But for the majority of the game, the 49ers owned that game. Here's what's crazy. Elijah Mitchell was the the running back last year, right? Number one. I think he ran for like 75 yards. Our quarterback, Jimmy G, threw for 176 yards, I think. Zero touchdowns, one interception. That was his stat line. And they were still handedly managing this defense. I don't know how much better this – it's good. It was good last year. How much better – the defense has gotten. But what I can tell you about this offense is you don't have to believe me. Go look at the stats. It's humming since number 13's under center. Oh, Christian McCaffrey is now a running back here, right? That can line up all over the place. And now when all teams for the last seven weeks of the season, were all focused on Debo Samuel. Can't do that anymore. Can't just take 19 away from the game. Cause they'll, t- you know, they'll, they'll take you. Cause I, you with- stepped up, his, uh, stepped up his game uh, as a wide receiver where he was really lost last year, in my opinion. Yep. Uh, not, he was not playing anywhere close to it where he has played this year. 
he's finally living up to his billing, um, you know, for, you know, first round, you know, uh, draft selection billing. So yeah, you're right. It, it's just the the embarrassment of Richards. Where who are you going to take away? All right, there's two other options after you do that. Pick your poison, right? Yeah. You got eleven. I got eleven. You're going to try to double somebody. Hopefully, you double the right person, right? Okay, like whatever so, it might yeah. be. So I do have a question. Then yeah. flip side now. We talked about what you feel the most confidence about. What gives you the biggest concern? What keeps you, or, or, or in my industry, this is a, a, a saying we like, a question we like to ask clients. What keeps you up at night when yeah. thinking about these Dallas Cowboys? What risk are you trying to avoid? <laughs> What's your risk tolerance? Um, <clears throat> Dax scramble ability. Really? That's because you guys are not good against more mobile quarterbacks. Bro, you put, <clears throat> I would say, Aaron Rodgers is the threshold of the most mobile quarterback that we are like comfortable with, right? Like Daniel Jones <laughs> presents a problem. Jalen Hurts is going to present a problem, right? Like these, these, this, this is reality. But if you're a stationary quarterback, bro, we're going to find you all day long. We're going to find you all day long. We know where you are, right? Like we'll just rush to the point. We won't even rush the quarterback. We'll just rush to a point in your drop back. So his ability to bide time. And then those receivers, CD, Gallup, T.Y. Hilton, another speed threat, just a busted play or a busted coverage or the off-the-cuff type play, out-of-script type play gives me cause for concern. Now, everything I just said on the offensive side of the ball makes me feel a little bit comfortable as long as that's not happening all game. You know, I, this defense has shown me to be a bend, but don't break, right? Like, they'll give up some points. They'll give up some yards. They'll give up some drives. But when push comes to shove, they're in the red zone, they'll hold you, right? They might keep you to three. They might force a turnover inside our own red zone, um, things of that nature. But I would say, and it's funny that I'm saying this out loud because I don't think Dak Prescott's had a great year. He's definitely not proven to be a $40 million a year quarterback. But what do I say about confidence? It's a very scary thing. Um, and I always thought that if the, the Cowboys found a way to win that first playoff game and kind of get that monkey off their back over the last whatever number of years, that's scary, right? Like, you know what I mean? Um, so I think to short answer to your question is that's what gives me – that's what keeps me up at night. Okay, so playing devil's advocate, I got no dog in this fight. <clears throat> Obviously, um, I always believe in the playoffs. You generally go to towards the better coach. That's what make you make your uh, predictions. Who's going to win the game? What I'm concerned about for your 49ers is actually more on the offensive side of the ball than you would think. And let me tell you why. I am a little nervous for for this could be that Purdy game. This can get ugly for Purdy real quick. And looking at the, I was just pulling up the schedule of who you guys played over the last like five six weeks. The defenses you've faced are nothing. They're they're nothing spectacular. The Seahawks, Cardinals, Raiders, Commanders with you know uh, Seahawks again. I feel like Purdy really hasn't seen a defense like this with the Dallas Cowboys. How they play so fast from a pass rushing standpoint. Yep. Um. So I do think they're going to be problematic when it comes to rushing the passer. Now, if Kyle Shanahan's smart, he'll feel the same way too. And what he can do is slow down the game 
and do the and, and implement bully ball and be more heavily run implemented, especially in the beginning to you know to calm down Purdy. However, if Kyle Shanahan wakes up that morning feeling himself, you know he, he's a great coach, great offensive play caller. There is a little arrogance to him if he feels like I'm going to just impose my will and do what I do because that's who we are. Could that could be pro- spot. that could be problematic because this could be he hasn't faced a, a defense this fast before. Now on the flip side, uh, I'm actually more confident on your defense. It's it's funny. It's role reversal here against that off against their offense. Um, Zeke is a shell of himself. Offensive line for the Cowboys played really well last week, but um, is that a one-and-done type of thing? Because they've been a little subpar over the last couple of weeks, right? So um, not sure if that's a thing of sign to come or, um, <clears throat> or, or they will revert back, you know, facing, you know, your, you know, your vaunted pass rush. And I just feel like if you take C.D. Lamb out, which you guys – could because of the the second and third level. I mean, we did last year. I think he had two catches, and that was C.D. Lamb and Amari Cooper. Yeah, so that's what I'm saying. I don't believe in Gallup and what have you. So um, I'm more confident on your defense to actually neutralize uh, that pass rush because I feel like to beat you guys, you're gonna have to run the you have to run the ball, and they do have Pollard, but I just don't know how much of a push their offensive line. I, I'm still skeptical. I, I don't know what their offensive line. How, the, how are they going to play against a, a front four that you guys have? So I I agree with you that this is the fastest defense we've played. I'm not going to say the best, right, at any point in the season. I'll just say they're the fastest. Of course, but Purdy, though. Yes. I'm talking about Purdy's played. Now, I, you know, I'm saying you could have played better defenses earlier in the year. Yep. Purdy hasn't seen him. No. Um, at this speed, this level, yes. right? Um, I mean, we saw this very same defense, like, Keep me honest, I think the only addition is like Anthony Barr, right, to this defense that we saw last year in the playoffs, right? And I think we handled the speed well, but it was predicated on the run game. And I think you just have to, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Here's what. Here's my last thought on this game. I, th- I do think overall the Cowboys are the best team that we've played in a while. In a while. But I will also tell you that the 49ers are definitively – the best team that they have played in a while, right? So like that that goes both ways. And here's where the pendulum might swing a little bit. Like it's still playoffs, anything can happen. Um but we talk about like bye weeks and like the extra time to recoup and recover. Here's what I do know to be a fact. 49ers game was over what? 4 o'clock their afternoon time. Mm-hmm. Right? On Saturday. Eagles I mean the uh, Cowboys played Monday night. Probably didn't get back to Dallas till early Tuesday morning, right? Like and whatnot. So Tuesday is a wash. You're looking at two extra full days of rest. And oh, keep in mind when you're talking about like the defensive advantage, our defense, our starting 11 defensive players, actually I should say nine of the 11 did not even step on the field after 10 minutes and 45 seconds left in the fourth quarter of that game. Because we had like a seven, eight minute drive. So we we went down, Debo <laughs> scored that touchdown. The very next play from Seattle, they threw the interception. We ate up like seven, eight minutes of clock. So the defense wasn't on the field. Kick a field goal there. Game is well out of reach. I think the only starter, two starters that I saw were Aziz El Shair and Javon Kinlaw that were on the field at the end of that game. 
So like that rest, that 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 preparation time, like it, it it's it's an unfair advantage, but it's crucial, right? And like whatever you know, you you earned your advantage. Like that's just the the way it is. Um, but fitting, I'm uh, I'm I'm picking the 49ers in this game. I will also concur. Uh, I'm going with the better coaching. I'm going with the more physical team, right? Uh, you do have that um, that get out of jail free card where you can just be like, all right, if, if Purdy is not slinging it, if he's having a bad game, just turn around and just feed the run, your running backs and just have Purdy dink and dunk and make you know Debo take like a, you know a seven yard slant or a drag route, you know, you know for a thirty. You know, yeah. so I I, th- I think you have that luxury, and I just think you're too physical for this Dallas Cowboys team. Here's what I do know: is those defensive backs, although they are good, they're fast. Trayvon is obviously very talented. They're matadors. They want, yeah, they want nothing to do with tackling they're, a 49ers they're, wide receiver. They're, they're, they're nothing matadors. to do with it. They're matadors. Debo's like seeking contact, right? <laughs> like, um. So we'll see, and we'll see what Micah does, right? Like, so obviously have, he was a non-factor, yeah. so we only have one game different. We both have the Chiefs, we both have the Eagles, you got the Bills, I got the Bengals, and we both got the 49ers. Yeah. That's it, Lou. That's that it. wraps us up. We'll be back next week to see how these four games panned out and then, you know, dive into the NFC and AFC championship game. So without further ado, because we didn't do it in the beginning, Lou, please tell everybody where they can find us. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at WTF Pod NFL. And Weston, tell, us, tell the listeners how to find us on YouTube. We're talking football. Hit the like, hit the subscribe, leave comments. We will interact. Um, we, we certainly want your feedback. And a little teaser. Oh, I was going to get soon, to this. Soon to come. A TikTok account from the We're Talking Football podcast? I think it might be on the horizon. A toxic account? A <laughs> What's this thing these kids do these days? <laughs> these silly dance videos and weird trends. Uh, it's uh, gonna get a little weird, guys. Two dragons. Two dragons. We're, we're 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 pretending we're young and we know what the social media outlets really are that we should engage with. But Lou, a pleasure. Appreciate you braving it out um, and, and coming to the table uh, again. You're a better better man than I. But until next week, my friend, I bid you adieu. All right. Adios. Peace.